Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Epiphany Lutheran Church of Mount Vernon, Virginia. We're a congregation of the Metro DC Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And you can find out more about us on our website at epiphanylutheran.org. Reading from the Book of Ruth, Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, I need to seek some security for you so that it may be well with you. Now here is our kinsman, Boaz, with whose young women you've been working. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now, wash and anoint yourself, put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. She said to her, All that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had instructed her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and was in a contented mood, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came stealthily and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and there, lying at his feet, was a woman. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your cloak over your servant, for you are next of kin. He said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. This last instance of your loyalty is better than the first. You have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, do not be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask, for all the assembly of my people know that you are a worthy woman. But now, though it is true that I am a near kinsman, there is another kinsman more closely related than I. Remain this night. And in the morning, if he will act as next of kin for you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to act as next of kin for you, then as the Lord lives... I will act as next of kin for you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before one person could recognize another, for he said, It must not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the cloak that you're wearing, and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her back. Then he went into the town. She came to her mother-in-law, who said, How did things go with you, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, He gave me these six measures of barley, for he said, Do not go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. We remember that Jesus said to his disciples, Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Boaz said to Ruth, Now, my daughter, do not be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. Like many stories that are told in the Bible, the story told in the Book of Ruth is a very old story that is surprisingly contemporary in many ways, and in other ways 
really shows its age. It's a story written perhaps 25 centuries ago, at a time when a certain type of family, a marriage between a Hebrew man and a Moabite woman, was being blamed for every social problem imaginable, and living as we do in a time when there are loud voices insisting on blaming and excluding certain kinds of families, certain kinds of relationships, certain kinds of people, and doing this in the name of God. Well, there's nothing more contemporary than a story than a story that in the name of God celebrates just this kind of family. But this story, which describes events that are even earlier, that take place more than 3,000 years ago, telling the story of how the great-grandparents of King David met and got married, this story also takes place in a world that's very different from ours. Customs and practices of those days are very different from us. The things that would have been obvious to the original tellers and hearers that they wouldn't have gone without saying. Well, those things are not going to be obvious to us, and sometimes it's easy for us to miss their significance. This is a society where a woman at marriage becomes part of her husband's extended family. It's her husband's family that becomes responsible for providing her security, a home, children to provide for her old age. Even if, like Ruth's first husband, the husband dies before they have children, the husband's family is still responsible for her. And the law of Moses sets forth how this responsibility is to be met. So, for example, if the deceased husband has a brother, the brother is required to marry his sister-in-law, and the children inherit the name and the estate of the deceased, not their natural father. But in Ruth's case, her brother-in-law, and her father-in-law for that matter, are also deceased. So what happens to Ruth? What happens to her mother-in-law, Naomi? Who takes care of them? What happens to the family estate? Well, according to the law, the responsibility to act as the father to this family falls to the next of kin, as our reading today translates it, the next closest male relative. The Hebrew word that's translated next of kin in this text is goel. If a relative dies, the goel is the one who acts as what we might call the executor of the estate. And the law of Moses spells out all of the duties of the goel. One of them is that if the relative has gone into debt and has had to sell the family land or even sell himself or family members into slavery, the duty of the goel is to buy them back, to redeem them, we might say. And so throughout the Bible, the responsible next of kin, the goel, also takes on a symbolic meaning of the Redeemer, the Savior, the one who comes to rescue a relative who's fallen on hard times and sets everything right. So, for example, in the book of Job, it's a passage that has become very famous among Christians, where Job, the righteous man who suffered greatly, laments all the terrible things that have happened to him, complains loudly and forcefully to God about the unfairness of how he's been treated. But then Job says in faith, But I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that my Goel lives. And in the end, he will stand upon the earth, and in my flesh I will see God. However bad things have gotten for me, Job says, I know that somewhere I have a Goel. Someday I will have a Redeemer, everything will somehow 
be made right. And in the days closer to when the book of Ruth was being written, when the people of Israel who have gone into exile are preparing to return to the promised land, and they're wondering what happened to the land of their ancestors. They're anxious about how they'll provide for themselves in a land that is unfamiliar to them. And at that time, the prophet announces in another passage that's beloved of Christians from the book of Isaiah, For I, the Lord God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, do not fear, I will help you, says the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Your Redeemer, your Goel, your next of kin, who will buy you back and save you, is none other than the Lord God of Israel. It's Isaiah chapter 41. This institution of the next of kin, the Goel, the Redeemer, it makes sense in the ancient culture of the Middle East where the identity of the family depends on the father. Women don't have an identity apart from their husband's family. And the Bible's written by people who lived in this culture. But that doesn't mean that God wants us to live in that culture forever. I mean, personally, I'm glad to live in a culture where every person has their own unique identity and agency respected and affirmed. You know, I wouldn't want to go to an 11th century BC dentist. I would not want to live in an 11th century BC family structure. But this is the culture in which God became incarnate, in which God became known. And seeing how those people came to know and see the activity of God in their world can help us to know and see how God is active in our world right now. And so the confidence that people had in those days that no matter what happened, no matter how bad things get, even if you suffer like Job, there will be a next of kin whose responsibility it is to be your Goel, your Redeemer, the one who can buy you back and make things right. And they had a confidence that if one relative fails, there will be another next of kin. And then if need be another, and another. And if everyone fails, the Lord God of Israel will be your Goel, your Redeemer. And so Job can say, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know my Goel is out there. I know that in my flesh, with my own two eyes, I will see everything made right. And even in a society like ours that does not depend on the institution of the Goel, we also can have confidence that we too have a Redeemer. Perhaps this gives us some understanding of what's happening in our reading today from the book of Ruth. So last Sunday, the widow Ruth, newly arrived in Bethlehem, a foreigner, a migrant, she goes out, gleaned in the fields during the barley harvest to provide for herself and her mother-in-law, Naomi. And it just so happens, the field where she chooses to go and glean belongs to a close relative of her late husband, a man who faithfully observes the law, a man of some means by the name of Boaz, a man who goes out of his way to take care of Ruth, to protect her from abuse, to make sure she and her mother-in-law are provided for her. And Naomi sees this. Naomi, who had returned to Bethlehem bitter and angry at God, feeling that God had abandoned her and taken away everything meaningful in her life, well, Naomi starts to think, maybe it wasn't a coincidence that Ruth 
stumbled onto the field of their next of kin, that Ruth was led to glean on the land of a possible Goel. Maybe God has sent a redeemer after all. And so Naomi coaches Ruth on what to do. Naomi knows Boaz will be working late at night, threshing the harvest, that he won't finish processing the harvest in one day, so that night he'll sleep there on the threshing floor to protect the harvest against animals and even thieves. And Naomi knows the harvest was successful, so he'll eat and have a celebratory drink or two before he lives down, as the text says, in a contented mood. So Naomi tells Ruth to bathe, put on perfume, and her best clothes. In other words, don't dress like a widow, and don't let anyone mistake you for a lady of the evening. Present yourself as the strong and respectable woman you are. And wait for Boaz to fall asleep. And Ruth approaches the sleeping Boaz and, as Naomi suggested, uncovers his feet and lies down there. Now, in the Hebrew Bible, feet sometimes means just feet, but sometimes it's a euphemism for other parts. Well, either way, uh, whatever's going on here, it's pretty forward what Ruth is doing here. It's a bold way for a woman to propose to a man especially in that society. It's a bold way for a migrant field worker to propose to the owner of the farm. Ruth is taking quite a risk in following Naomi's advice about how to approach Boaz. Around midnight, Boaz turns over and wakes up, feels like it's gotten chilly, the covers have fallen off his feet, and Boaz reaches for the covers and, ah! Someone's there. Who is it? He calls in the dark. I am Ruth, she says. Spread your cloak over me, for you are next of kin. I am Ruth, she says, and you are my Goel. That's a bold thing to ask. And Boaz says yes. Well, almost yes. Boaz says, well, actually, <clears throat> there's one other relative who, according to the law of Moses, would be ahead of him in precedence to be the Goel to Ruth. And if he wants to do it, Boaz says, I have to let him go first. But, you know, one way or another, I promise you, you will have a Goel. You will have a Redeemer. And Boaz sends Ruth off in a way that preserves her reputation as a woman of valor plenty of food to bring home to Naomi. And Naomi interprets this correctly, as we'll see at the end of the story next week, that Boaz is going to make sure that Ruth and Naomi get their goel, and he's not going to mess around. Ruth is bold, shockingly bold, by the standards of her time, for sure, and even by ours. In the way that she approaches Boaz and claims Boaz as her goel, as her redeemer, and there's no reason why any of us should be afraid to be any less bold in calling on our Redeemer. He's already told us, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock, the door will be opened. This is the promise of the gospel. There is a Redeemer for you. There's a Goel for you. Whatever troubles have befallen you, whatever hole you've fallen into or dug for yourself, there is someone who has promised to be there for you and to buy you back. Don't be shy or ashamed 
bold enough to uncover his feet, and he'll tell you what to do. And let's spare a good thought for Boaz, too. Last week, Boaz saw Ruth as a poor widow, a foreigner who'd come to glean in his field. Boaz met his obligation to let her share in the bounty of God's goodness to him. And Boaz had con clearly continued to think about Ruth. He had discussed her with the people of the town. They all agreed woman, Ruth is a woman of valor, worthy of respect. Boaz would have no doubt been delighted to learn that Ruth had found her Goel, that Ruth had found her Redeemer. But somehow it had apparently not yet occurred to him that he, Boaz, would be that Redeemer. And after all, there's someone else whose responsibility is greater than his. But Ruth came to him at the moment he least expected it. And when she called him her Goel, Boaz said yes to this call, and this call became for him, as well as for Ruth and for the whole people of Israel, a great blessing. But that's the next part of the story we'll read next week. May we be as bold as Ruth, in trusting the promise that our Goel lives, that our Redeemer is ready to rescue us, that we will call on him with confidence and boldness. And may we be as bold as Boaz when we are unexpectedly given the opportunity to be Goel for another, that we'll respond to that call when it comes and find in it a source of deep blessing and joy ourselves. Thanks for listening to our Epiphany Sermon Podcast. You're welcome to join us for Sunday worship online, or if you're in Northern Virginia in person, on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. If you listen to this podcast on iTunes, please give us a rating and a review. It helps other people to find us. And please be on the lookout on Sunday, August 14th. We'll be starting a four-week sermon series on the Book of Ruth. Ruth was a foreigner and a widow who comes to find shelter and refuge among the people of Israel and becomes a source of blessing for the whole people. Her story helps us to imagine what it is to be a community of faith that includes especially those who some voices want to exclude, shame, and judge. We hope that you can be part of this special series starting Sunday, August the 14th. For more information about us, please visit our website at www.epiphanylutheran.org.